Good morning to each and every one of you who have joined us online for worship, and I pray that music was a blessing to you as it was to me, and uh, truly I'm grateful that you have made it a priority to worship the Lord Jesus Christ today, and I want to encourage you to continue to do so. Now is not a time for, for us to separate ourselves from the love of God, but a time to draw closer to God, and so I'm, I'm very, very grateful that you have chosen to to join us today as we worship the Lord. Uh, it's crazy to think about, but tomorrow is Memorial Day, hence all the decorations here in the auditorium. And certainly I miss you. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, gathering for worship uh, here on site very, very soon. And uh, But I was thinking about Memorial Day this week as I was preparing my message. And Typically, today is the Sunday, which is why I chose to decorate. Typically, today is the Sunday that we would set some time aside in our service to, to remember those who have sacrificed their lives to protect and to defend all of our freedoms, all of our, 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 our ways of life in our country. And so we owe a debt of gratitude, quite honestly, uh, to each and every one who has given their lives and certainly uh, we say thank you to the families of those who lost loved ones in defense of our freedoms. It was Ronald Reagan speaking uh, about those who had given their lives in defense of our country. He once said these words, he said, their lives remind us that freedom is not bought cheaply and that it has a cost. It imposes a burden. And just as they whom we commemorate were willing to sacrifice so too must we, he said, in a less final or less heroic way, be willing to give ourselves. And certainly he was right uh, to think about uh, the sacrifice of those who had gone on before us. And, and really, I, I think about that, and I'm so grateful for those that gave their lives to protect our freedoms in this country. But spiritually speaking, it's the same as true. Every one of us who have believed and accepted and received the, the forgiveness of sin and the free gift of salvation through the shed blood and the finished work of Jesus Christ on that cross of Calvary, every one of us owe the Lord a debt of gratitude. And so certainly while today we think about Memorial Day and all that has in our hearts and minds as, as citizens of this great country, we're also as believers reminded to, to remember what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. In fact, I was thinking about his words to his disciples uh, earlier this week in John chapter 15 and verse number 13 where he said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Oh yes, my friends, as we take time to remember, it's more than appropriate for you and I to say thank you. Thank you to those who gave the last full measure of devotion for our way of life and our freedoms. But it's also incredibly important for us to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for being fully devoted to the Father's will, for, for being fully committed to His will concerning our redemption. And so today, as we look forward to tomorrow's holiday, we can, we can celebrate uh, certainly those who have sacrificed so that we could worship freely today. And certainly they've left a fantastic memorial behind for us. Uh, but I also think there are others who have left a memorial behind that's just as remarkable. 
And these are ones who down through the quarters of time have left a memorial based on trusting God, based on living a life that not only trusts God, but honored God and, and lives that brought God glory. And so um, I encourage you, be thankful today. It's, it's a wonderful day to, to reflect, to remember, and really to rejoice in all that God has allowed to take place over the years. And uh, with that in mind this morning, I simply wanted to ask the question of each and every one of us, what type of memorial will we leave behind? What type of memorial will we leave behind? And I'm not sure that I or maybe you have ever taken time to consider that important question, but I believe that it's fitting. It's, it's a fitting question to ask on a Sunday like today, uh, and so this morning, if you have your Bible, I want to ask you to take it and turn with me uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 in the precious Word of God. And today I want us to, uh, just for a few moments of time, study an example from Scripture uh, that might help us uh, on our quest to leave a proper memorial behind. Look with me beginning in verse number 1, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And Paul writing to young Timothy, he writes these words. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap unto themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. He says, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity uh, that we have already had to sing songs of worship and praise unto your holy name. And Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity today that we have in our mind's eye to remember those who have given that last full measure of devotion so that we might be able to freely uh, look at your word. We might be able to freely preach your word and teach your word and to share the love and the truth of your word with those all around the world. Lord, I pray that today that you would encourage those who are hurting. Certainly we have many of our church family members who are in hospitals and those who are dealing with the coronavirus now and uh, not only our church members, but extended family members. And so Lord, I pray that you would uh, hear our prayers from heaven, Lord, that as we come to your throne of grace, that we might find help in our time of need. Lord, we need the each and every hour. And so Lord, I pray that you will hear our prayers, that you will answer according to your will. Lord, I pray that today that as we look at a few verses of Scripture here, God, that you will encourage our hearts, that you will challenge our hearts. And God, that we might seek, that we might endeavor, if you please, to live a memorial, leave a memorial 
behind that others might see Christ who lived in and through each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you'll have your will in your way through this message. Lord, we'll give you the praise for all that you'll do. And it's in the precious name of our Lord and Savior and for his sake that we do pray and ask all things. Amen and amen. Well, uh, again, thank you for joining me this morning. I want us to zero right in. Take your Bibles. I want us to zero right in on three powerful verses this morning. And I think you've probably already guessed which ones I want us to look at. And certainly in verses 1 through 5, Paul is uh, giving Timothy some, some great words of wisdom uh, via the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But here in verse number 6, 7, and 8, we find some, some wonderful thoughts for us to consider today. Notice in verse number 6, he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. In verse number eight, he says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And so I want you to notice, notice right away in verse number six, this is where Paul is beginning to wrap up his second letter. In all actuality, he's beginning to wrap up his second letter to Timothy. And in essence, what he's doing, he's giving, he's not only giving it to Timothy, but to you and I, he's giving uh, his epitaph or his memorial, if you please. And uh, he begins in verse number six by speaking about his death. He begins by speaking about his death and he begins uh, doing so on a solemn note. Think about it. He says, I'm now ready to be offered. Verse six, he says, I'm now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. And so when we consider what's going on, Paul is sitting in a dungeon in a Roman prison. He's awaiting his final trial before the emperor Nero. And if you know what's going on, you, you'll, you'll remember that Paul has uh, been, he, he's, he's under uh, a capital charge of insurrection, if you please, or leading a, a rebellion against Rome. And so uh, it's a capital charge. And, and therefore, Paul is expecting that Nero is going to come back and order his execution. And so while he has time to do so, he's, he's literally passing on the spiritual baton of his missionary ministry to Timothy, which is why he says to preach the word and to be instant in season and out of season and, and on and on. And so he's, he's passing on the spiritual baton. But notice here in verse number six, the first thing that he wants to let Timothy know is that he's not afraid to die. He says, I'm not afraid to die. He says, in fact, he says, I'm now ready to be offered. Look at verse 6. He says, I'm now ready to be offered. He sees himself, think about this. He sees himself as laying down his life for the gospel's sake. And uh, uh, when we think about Paul's life, from the moment of his conversion on that Damascus road, Paul is someone who gladly offered all that he was and all that he had to God. God was that important to him. Uh, his life was forever changed when Jesus came into his heart. Now, normally, I understand uh, my first point was Paul's talking about his death. Normally, we don't, talk about, we don't talk about death or dying that much. In fact, it's probably one topic that we, we tend to avoid talking about the most. But what we see here in text is we are reading about the eternal state of Paul's mind. And in verse 6, when he says that he's ready to be offered, 
He's, in a sense, restating something that he had written to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 2, in verse number 17, when he wrote these words, he said, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, he says, I joy and rejoice with you all. You see, during his first arrest, Paul, his first arrest, Paul thought that death was going to inevitably come. And so he wanted it, the idea is that he wanted his life to be poured out as a sacrifice to God. And so that's what he's saying here in verse 6. In life, Paul had offered his, his body, he had offered his life, everything that he was, as a living sacrifice. As he says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, as a living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable unto God. And Paul thought, wow, this is my reasonable service. But in death, Paul says, I'm ready to be offered. In other words, he was referencing this, this idea of a drink offering that you could see as far back in, as Genesis chapter 35. You can look all the way back in Genesis chapter 35. You can see drink offerings in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. You can see the prophet Isaiah talking about drink offerings. And even in the book of Joel, we see information about drink offerings. And, and while God doesn't give any specifics uh, surrounding this type of offering, we see it again and again throughout Scripture. And the idea with the drink offering is this, that you would take the wine and you would pour it over the sacrifice that had been placed on the brazen altar, right? And so the sacrifice is there upon the brazen altar and, and the fire is burning and, and the sacrifice is being offered. And then you would take the drink offering and you would pour it over the sacrifice. Now, uh, this is a, a crude example, but think about this. Maybe some of you today will break out the grill and you will grill hamburgers or steaks. And sometimes when the fire gets too hot as you're grilling your food, what do we do? Sometimes we take a cup of water and we pour it. Well, as soon as you pour the water over a, a, a fire like that, what happens? It evaporates. This is exactly, guys, get the picture. This is exactly what Paul is saying. He's saying, I'm now ready to be offered as a sacrifice. In his life, Paul's life had been hid with Christ. As he told the church at Corinth, his life had been hid with Christ. But now in death, he says, I'm ready to be offered as a sacrifice. Because here's the point. Paul says, when my life is poured out over that sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ, I disappear and the only thing that remains is the sacrifice. See, in life and now in death, Paul wanted everybody to understand, even Timothy, that he wasn't afraid to die, but he wanted him to understand most of all that it was all about Jesus. And if you notice in verse number 6, the second thing that Paul says, he says uh, about his death, he says that his departure is at hand. The time of his departure, if you please, is at hand. Now, the Greek word for departure is taken from a primary verb, and it actually means to loosen, to break, to destroy, watch this, or to dissolve, similar to what we just were talking about in reference to the drink offering. And the word is striking in meaning for sure, and it, and it carries a number of ways to communicate uh, really a beautiful but complex message. Uh, one of the ways... When you look at this word, it speaks of unharnessing like a horse or a mule or, or removing the, uh, the, the yoke 
uh, of an oxen after the animal had been out working in the field a long day. And the picture is that after a day's work is over, the animals would be brought in and, and the farmer or the owner uh, of the place would remove uh, the chains. They would remove the harnesses, so to speak, from these animals. They would pat them on the back and let them go out into the field to graze. What a beautiful picture. Paul says that the time of his departure is at hand. He was ready to be unharnessed. He was ready to be patted on the back, if you please, spiritually and sent out to graze into that beautiful by and by. Uh, it was uh, John Gill in his exposition of the Bible who put it this way. He said these words. He said, death is not an annihilation of man, neither of his body nor of his soul. The one at death returns to dust and the other to God that gave it. Death is a dissolution of soul and body or dissolving of the union that is between them and a resolution of the body into its first principles. Notice he goes on to say, it is a removing of the persons from one place and state to another. Watch these words. From a house of clay, from this earthly house of our tabernacle, to a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, to everlasting habitations and mansions in Christ's Father's house. After many years, remember Jesus says in John 15 that we're to abide in Him as He abides in us. After many years of abiding under the yoke of discipleship, I can only imagine, as Paul says, that the time of His departure is at hand, that He was ready. He was ready to hear Jesus say, as Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21 says, He was ready to hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Oh yes, Paul was ready to depart. He was ready to offer his life. The root of this Greek word for departure is also a word that is used to speak of releasing a prisoner, if you please, in order to set that prisoner free. And I think about this, Paul is in prison. Not only was he ready to be set free from his earthly imprisonment, he was ready to be set free from earth's limitations. Oh, listen, when, when he said, look at the text, when he says that the time of his departure is at hand, it's a representation of his death, but it's also a reminder that Paul expects an existence afterwards. When we depart, if we pack up and we say we're going on a trip somewhere and, and, and we set a departure time, we expect that there's something that's going to follow that. And this was the same with Paul. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. And yes, I may be unharnessed like an animal. I may be set free like a prisoner, but I'm fully expecting that there's something that's going to come after my physical death. In fact, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, it was Paul who wrote to the church at Philippi and he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if you and I were to go to that passage and read just a couple of verses later, later in verse 23, he said, he said, for I am in a strait betwixt two. Now that little phrase there is important because Paul says, I've got two thoughts on the mind. And he had just communicated that it would have been better if he stayed for the church at Philippi, but he had a desire to depart and to be with the Lord. And notice what he says. He says, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Oh, 
my friends, don't be sad. As we think about leaving memorial behind, don't be sad when I'm talking to you about death because you and I must understand as the wise man Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 in verses number 1 and 2, he said to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. Oh yes, uh, we are just pilgrims and strangers passing through this earthly life. And just as there was a specific time for us to be born, there's a specific time set aside for us to die. It's already been fixed. It's already been settled by God. Just as God understood that on October the 17th, 1966 at 5, 12 p.m. in the afternoon, that yours truly was going to come into this world, He already knows the time of my departure. The question that we must ask ourselves as we ponder what type of memorial we'll leave behind is, am I leaving a proper memorial behind? What will that memorial look like? Oh yes, it's important to understand because Revelation, the book of Revelation in chapter 14, verse 13, and I, I share this verse many times when I do memorial services or celebration of life services, uh, the Bible tells us that blessed are they which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. What type of memorial will we leave behind? I was thinking earlier this week and, and it came to my mind, there was this old uh, Greek proverb and I want to show it on the screen. There's an old Greek proverb that says, do your giving while you're living so you'll be knowing where it's going. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Now, it seems kind of strange, probably you're thinking, why did he put up this statement? Because typically when we look at this statement, we're, we're thinking about it in regards to financial giving. But I want us to consider it today as we ponder what type of memorial we'll leave behind. I want us to ponder how we're giving ourselves to God and how we're giving ourselves to other. Uh, others, it, it's, it's incredibly important. By the way, if we're still living, I was talking with Colby last week and we were talking about this. If we're still living, obviously God still has something for you and I to be doing. He has a plan. He has a purpose for us. And so, listen, uh, Pastor Skinner used to say, don't drive your stakes in too deep because we're moving on. And certainly we are moving on. But while we're here, we have to ponder are we ready to offer our lives as a sacrifice? Do we understand that the time of our departure is closer now than when we first believed? Because if we know these things, it's going to make a big impact in how we're living our lives. Truly, every one of us have been through times and seasons of sickness and pain and suffering and loss. But one day, by God's amazing grace, I don't know how it all works, but I'm thankful that God's in control and that I'm not. One day, by His amazing grace, we will enter into an everlasting place where the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 4, it proclaims that God shall wipe away all the tears from our eyes and there shall be no more death. There will neither, neither be sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that bright and beautiful day when we see our Savior face to face. Oh, listen, 
here in verse 6, he says, and the time of my departure is at hand. Finally, I think it's important for us to note that this, this Greek word for departure, the root of this Greek word, if you please, actually is a word that speaks also of casting off uh, the mooring lines of a ship or, or a, uh, a, a sailboat as it sets out to sea. And so in order uh, really to set the proper memorial for our lives, I think you and I need to see the next life like God sees it. You see, our life doesn't come to a halt just because we stop believing here. It continues on. We were, we were made for eternity. We were created in the image of God. Paul said, for I am now ready, in verse number 6, he says, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. You see, he knew, he knew that God was about to cast off the mooring lines, so to speak, of his life's ship. And he knew that God was going to uh, send him out to embark and to set sail, if you please, on the greatest adventure of his life. Oh, Paul talked about his death in his little memorial or epitaph, if you please. But in verse number 7, he shares a, a threefold statement concerning his testimony. Notice verse 7. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And as we can see here in just this one simple verse, Paul's life is full of meaning. And, and so therefore, he gives Timothy and you and I this beautiful picture that describes his testimony. And he begins by saying that he had been a faithful soldier. As someone who has served in the Marine Corps and someone who served in the United States Army, I understand what it means to be a faithful soldier and to obey the orders of the officers who have been placed over us. And Paul understood this and he had obeyed the orders of his commanding officer, if you please, Jesus Christ, the righteous judge. Oh yes, Paul had separated himself from the world, totally committing himself to Jesus. He had suffered uh, threats and attacks and shipwreck and beating and on and on. You can read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 in verses 23 all the way down to 31. Oh yes, as Ephesians 6 and verse number 12 says, Paul, he had wrestled. He had wrestled not against flesh and blood, but he had wrestled against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickednesses in high places. And yes, he had also already written to Timothy. If you look just across the page, at 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse number 3, he had already written to Timothy about enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Oh my friends, despite his current situation of being locked up and in chains, Paul was thankful that God had allowed him to share the gospel, not only in synagogues and in marketplaces, but quite frankly, everywhere in between, whether it was down by the river, in somebody's home, it didn't matter. He was so thankful. And he said, I had fought a good fight. And the next thing he says in verse number 7, he said that he had finished his course. It was J. Vernon McGee who said, life is not only a battle, life is a race. And just like an athlete, Paul says, hey, I've run. I've finished the course that God has set for me. By the way, every one of us, 
have a race that has been set before us. God establishes that race. As I was alluding to earlier, my race began on October the 17th in 1966. It seems a long time ago. And, and I have no idea the date that He has set that race to end. But I have a job to do from that point until He calls me home. You see, Paul was determined. Paul was disciplined. Oh, these are things that uh, we put into play in the military as well. And also for athletes. For an athlete to succeed, they must be determined. But they must also be disciplined and bring themselves unto subjection. In fact, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24 and following. He wrote these words. He says, Know ye not that they which run a race run all? But one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But notice he says we do it to receive an incorruptible. I therefore so run not as uncertainty. So fight I. Not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body. And bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I have preached to others. I myself should be a castaway. Oh, you see, Paul was attempting to live his life in a way that met with the approval of God. I think about what he said in Philippians chapter 3 in verse number 14. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see, there was a focused intensity to the way that Paul was running his life. It was Dave Ramsey, that financial guru, who first uh, coined this idea of, um, of, uh, of uh, focused intensity. This idea of focused intensity over time multiplied by God equals momentum. And Paul had understood this in a spiritual context throughout his life. And so he had this focused intensity that continued to, to zero in on living a life, letting his conversation, remember we were talking about that last week, letting his conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, it's been my experience <laughs> in, in some way that uh, anyone can start a race. Anyone can get in the race. Any, anybody can uh, pull up to the start line and begin the race. But it takes strength. It takes stamina and it takes sheer determination to reach the finish line. And this is what Paul was saying. He says, he says, I have fought a good fight. And then here he says, I have finished. I have finished my course. He understood. Uh, I think he understood that the only way that he could finish his course was to continue to focus on Jesus Christ himself. In fact, as the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 1 and 2, the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse number 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12 reminds us that there are many 
Many in that cloud of witnesses who are watching and cheering us on. But Paul knew, just like verse number 2 says, he knew that in order to finish his course, that Jesus was all that mattered. Oh yes, there, there are those who have gone on before us who are cheering us on and who are, who are encouraging us to run the race with patience, the race that has been set before us. But the only way that we will get there is by focusing Intensely focusing our efforts on Jesus Christ. The last thing that Paul says here in verse number 7, notice he says, he says that he had kept the faith. He says, I've kept the faith. In other words, Paul says, I've been a good steward. I've been a good steward of the faith that was given to me. It was, it was just as he wrote to those saints at Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1, Paul was saying, I too have walked worthy of the vocation wherewith I was called. Oh, listen, Paul was saying he had kept the terms of the contract. He had looked after the faith that was given to him with great care. He had been a good steward. He had, he had protected it and looked after it. He had cultivated his faith. He had shared his faith. He had been uncompromising when it came to his faith. And truly, the principle that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2, where the Bible says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful, certainly was paramount to Paul in his journey of faith. In fact, in his first letter to Timothy, if we were to flip over on the page just before, in fact, it's the same page, really. If you look over at the end of 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul said the same thing to Timothy. And, and notice, he says in verse number 20, he says, Oh, Timothy... He says, oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. He says, avoid profane and vain babblings and in oppositions of science falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. No matter what he faced, Paul had kept the faith and he encouraged others to do the same. Oh, in his epitaph, he talked about his death and he talked about his testimony in verse number seven. But ultimately, he concludes, look at verse number 8, he concludes by confidently celebrating his soon coming reward. He says, here's the really cool thing. He says, I'm ready to be offered. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept my faith. But here's the good news because verse number 8 says, henceforth, notice it says, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not only me, but unto all them that love His appearing. Folks, none of us, none of us are ever going to be accepted by God unless we are clothed or crowned, if you please, with righteousness. We were talking about this last week. The fact that our righteousness, right, is excrementitious. It's like a filthy rag, Isaiah says. It, it, it's, it's putrid. It's abhorrent to God, our sinfulness. And so we must have our, we must be clothed, if you please, in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And Paul had proved time and time again that not only was he accepting of Jesus' righteousness, but he loved Jesus and his righteousness. I mean, he was a good soldier. He was a good athlete. He was a good steward. We just talked about it. And so Paul, 
He believed that the Lord was righteous. He believed that He was just. And therefore, he believed that the promises that God had made, he was going to keep. The cool thing here is that Paul says that his reward was not just for him. Notice the last part of verse number 8. He says, it's not just for me. He says, it's not only for me, but unto all them that also, that to all them also that love is appearing. And so the important question that we ask, there's like three questions I wrote down in my notes. One is, who is it that loves the Lord's appearing? Right? Who, who are the people who love the Lord's appearing? Well, it, you would say, well, pastor, the person who loves the Lord. Well, who loves the Lord? I mean, what type of person loves the Lord? Well, you would say, well, pastor, that's the person who truly believes in Jesus, who, who has received, who has accepted his gift, who, who believes in his righteousness, who, who, has, uh, who has walked by faith and not by sight. That's the person that, that is truly someone who loves the Lord and uh, truly believes. Well, what's a true believer look like? I put down on my notes. I think a true believer looks like somebody who's a good soldier. I believe that a true believer looks like somebody who is willing to finish the race that's set before him. And I believe that a true believer is somebody who keeps the faith, right? What a beautiful picture that Paul is giving to Timothy as he literally writes his own memorial. Someone has rightly stated and asked the following by saying this, no man knows the day or hour when Jesus will come. We do not know the day or hour when we will be called to meet the Lord in death. If this should be the day of the Lord's return, or if this should be the day of physical death that comes for me, could I testify as Paul did long ago? Have I really fought a good fight? Have I kept the faith? Am I finishing my course by remaining focused on the only one that truly matters? You see, Paul, he was ready to face Nero's final verdict, and he was ready to face it with confidence. You see, because his faith was not based on something he said, but what Jesus did and how he lived. See, what Jesus did had changed the way that Paul lived. Certainly, Nero could have Paul executed, but the one thing that Nero couldn't take from Paul was that lasting memorial or that lasting legacy that Paul had left behind. You see, he was able to leave behind a wonderful memorial. And so I ask us as I close this message, what about us? Are we offering our lives as sacrifices that are holy and acceptable to the Lord? Are we ready to be poured out as a drink offering? Are, are we ready to depart? Have we fought a good fight? Have we finished our course? Have we kept the faith? Earlier this week, I was, I was uh, seeing some different posts and whatnot about Rabbi Zacharias. Many of you might have noticed my post on Facebook where I put a little video clip, a very uh, short video clip of him saying some things. And I want to quote some of the words that Rabbi Zacharias said in that clip. And I'd encourage you, you can visit my Facebook page and see that clip in its entirety. And, and you'll see how the Lord has used that to bring this message to a close. It was Rabbi Zacharias who declared that the person of Jesus Christ provides that coherent answer in the incarnation. 
He identifies my malady, or that word malady referencing our sickness or our, our spiritual condition. He identifies my malady, provides for my malady. He draws me into that relationship. He takes me through the process of suffering. He shows me the purity of Jesus Himself in the way He taught and lived. And ultimately in rising from the dead, He teaches me that time is merely a temporal thing. We are here for eternity, and He alone is able to take us through the cross, past the open tomb, and into the very presence of God. Referencing what the prophet Isaiah said, it was Paul who wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love Him. Woo! What about those rewards? of eternity. And that gets me excited. That, that, that encourages me today to know that like Paul, we too, we too can leave a memorial behind knowing that, that this life will end and the next life will begin just like that. Paul believed this and he knew, he knew as John 14, 6, he knew that Jesus was the way and the truth and the life and that no man comes to the Father but by Him. Oh, my friends, like Paul, you and I, we, we have the opportunity today, we have the opportunity as we have breath to leave a proper memorial behind. And you might be saying, man, I screwed up in the past. Uh, listen, make a decision today to put the past where it belongs, in the past. Don't allow the devil to attack your mind or your heart or your conscience. Listen, put it where it belongs. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. The Bible says God has forgotten them. They're as far as from the east as to the west. He's cast them into the depths of the sea. And so I want to encourage you to leave a proper memorial behind. If you've never trusted Christ today, you can begin to build a proper memorial for, for those who know you, for those who love you, those that you come into contact with, whether they be your family or friends or neighbors or co-workers or, or just people that you meet in the marketplace. Oh, trust Jesus today. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by Him. Rabbi Zacharias, in that clip that you'll see, he, he finished by saying some things and Literally, when he said these words, I thought, this is the secret recipe for every one of us to begin building a proper memorial that would bring God honor and glory. And he said these words, and I close. He said, surrender to him. Love him. Follow him. Serve him. Live for him. And then he closed by saying, and take his message wherever you go. Oh yes, I'm thankful for those who have given their life for our great country. But I'm so much more thankful for the fact that Jesus gave his life to save my soul. And that he gave his life to save your soul. If you've never trusted him, I pray that you'll do that today by simply calling out on His name and asking Him to forgive you, asking Him to come into your life and to begin to change you from the inside out. I love each and every one of you. 
And I'm thankful that you have joined us today. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the message of the day that reminds us that we too, that we too can do exactly as your servant Paul did. We can offer our lives. We, we can understand that the time of our departure is closer now than it has ever been. Lord, help us to fight the good fight. Help us to run our race and finish our course. Help us to keep the faith, knowing that there is a crown of righteousness that is laid up for us. And certainly, we don't look forward to that crown for ourselves, but we look forward to that crown that we might be able to take it and then turn around and cast it back at your precious feet in honor and glory to you. Lord, I pray that you'll dismiss us with your blessing. God, I pray that we will uh, continue to focus, continue to set our affections, if you please, on things above, right? Not on things of the earth. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this word. I thank you for encouraging my heart this week with this message. And I pray that it has been an encouragement, a blessing, and a challenge to each and every one who has joined us for worship. And we pray all of this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and for his sake. Amen. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you soon. Bye-bye.